Simply a servant. How many of y'all are servants in here? How many of y'all are slaves for Christ? Ooh, that's a different thing, isn't it? Oh. Servants or slaves were supposed to be invisible assistants, assistants, if you will. They were supposed to be seen and not heard as they carried out the various menial labor tasks around the house or the plantation of their owners or masters. Seen, but not heard. Amen. Do your work. Stay quiet. Amen. Make the master money and keep it moving. Sometimes, ironically, tasked with the personal details in the lives of the masters, slaves were perceived as powerless and voiceless human beings with no agency for themselves. Such was the prevailing perception of slaves, that they had no voice, that they had no agency for themselves, that whatever their plight was in life, that it was permanent and they had no, uh, uh, they had no, no agency, no way of speaking up for themselves and could not have any impact on the system that affected their lives on a daily basis. I dare say to you, you should never underestimate though the power and influence of a servant or a slave that becomes self-aware. Because when a servant or a slave becomes self-aware, that servant, that slave becomes a danger to the system that seeks to oppress that servant or that slave. Stay with me a minute and I'll try to illustrate it for you. At the heart of the Montgomery bus boycott was the work of black house servants. It was the inconvenience caused by the bus boycott that made rich white folks yield to the demands for social change in Alabama that eventually impacted the entire antebellum South. White mistresses during the course of the 381 days of bus boycotting had to get up out of their comfy beds and either go get their black house servants from across town or send their black chauffeurs to fetch the said black house servants from across town rather than have their servants performing more profitable tasks around the house or the plantation. Black women, black servants, come on y'all, they broke the back of that system that marginalized, dehumanized, and enslaved in so many ways black folks in an entire city. Black servants who were supposed to be just menial workers, nevertheless became the voice and became uh, the people that changed the course of history. And lest we forget right here in the state of Tennessee, it was black sanitation workers in whose quest for equality 
and humane treatment after two of their comrades died in a compactor in a truck. Come on, y'all. It was black sanitation workers who struck a blow at the heart of white racist administration by allowing tons and tons of garbage to pile up in the city streets of Memphis, Tennessee. Come on. It was black servants. Inspired by a sermonic message of the Reverend Dr. James Lawson, the predominantly black group of garbage collectors marched in the streets of Memphis holding those infamous signs, those iconic signs that spoke to the moral conscience of America. What did those signs say? I am a man. I'm a man. You might treat me like a machine, but I'm a man. Come on. You might treat me like I do not deserve any respect, but I am a man. I might have a job picking up your garbage. I might be a servant of the state, servant of the city, but I am a human being. And I have agency. And I can speak up for myself. Come on now. We don't know why people end up in some of the circumstances that they end up in. Poor, marginalized, destitute, but never underestimate the power of a servant to impact a system that seeks to oppress folk. Never underestimate the power and influence of a human being that by some circumstances in life end up being a slave or end up being a servant. This Bible story has three main characters. Come on. And a group of unnamed people called servants. In short, it is the story of a certain man who had two sons who thought, who though different in their behavior and personalities, is loved unconditionally by their father. That's what the whole story is about. Come on, a, a certain man had two sons. That's how it starts off. And the two boys are different. Come on, we have talked about the young one. Oh my God, just adventurous. Just, you know, the old young buck who ain't got no sense about life. Come on, raised in his mama's house. Don't have no street sense, but he's out there trying to kick it. Then he got this older brother who is pompous and self-righteous. And as we will discover in a little while, got a whole nother situation going on in his life. And then there's the father who has to resist the temptation of loving his children based on behavior. But he loves them rather based on relationship. I have two boys and they are different. And I have to love them differently. Aren't you glad that God has capacity to love each of us in our own individuality? Come on, y'all. I don't behave like Renita Weems, and Renita Weems don't behave like me. Come on, y'all. I don't behave like Savannah, and Savannah don't. I am happy that God got to love that tailor-made just for my crazy behind. I just love God. Today I want to put the spotlight on the servants 
whose presence in this family impacts all three of the characters. The prodigal, come on, y'all. We can't preach about the whole family and leave out the servants. Come on. Because to underestimate the impact of the servants on the family and the saga that's unfolding in this text is to do the text an injustice. Come on, y'all. All three of the main characters in the Bible story, Carissa, all of them are touched by a servant. The young prodigal boy, he rolled a hoopla about when he comes in from the field and sees that his brother is being celebrated. Father has relationship with servants. Young son has relationship with servants. Come on, y'all. And the elder brother got a thing going on with the servants. Seems like you can't close this thing out without putting a magnifying group on this group of people called servants. They are simply servants, but I believe they have something significant to teach us in this biblical saga before us today. A simple interpretation of this parable allows us to see the father as the unconditionally loving God. The elder brother as the established traditional church or the scribes and Pharisees directly in this text. And the younger brother as those who are new to the family of faith. And they have a zeal for God, but they lack the knowledge of what it means to walk with God. That's real simple. But who are these people who are simply servants in the Father's house? They are not dangerous traditionalists as the elder brother. Come on. They are not the kind that says, because I've been with God longer than I know God the best. They are not the ones who act as though they are gatekeepers for who God can let in and who God can let keep out. Come on, y'all. They, these servants, are not like the older brother who represents the traditionalists and the religious bigots of that day. They are not like the younger brother who wastes his money on exotic foreign booty. No, and did not prepare for the famines of life. This boy didn't just like booty, he liked foreign the Bible says he went to another country <laughs> he didn't get it in Jerusalem now he went to what oh God y'all don't like to read the Bible ah, and again it's one thing when you fall but it's another thing when you have not prepared to get back up again come on y'all he has no options that is what a famine does. A famine takes away your options as to how you feed yourself. Come on. How you clothe yourself. How you take care of others. The boy fell after wasting all of his resources on them foreign... Uh, uh. And these servants are definitely not the father who has the capacity to love his children differently, but yet unconditionally. Now put a pin right there. Here's where I, I can't hide my love for Luke, Carissa. I love Luke. I love Luke. Everybody 
got to get saved in the gospel of Luke. Luke makes it clear from the outset of the gospel that nobody, he says, it is the will of God that all should be saved and that none should perish. Come on, Mr. Miley. We got to preach the Bible like the Bible is supposed to be preached. Come on. Everybody, including the servants, got to have a good news uh, preached to them and preached about them. Can't just talk about the boy who turns around and he was lost and now not found. Can't just talk about the elder brother who gets a chance when his father speaks to him. Can't just talk about the father. We got to talk about these servants because I believe something else is going on in this text with these servants. And this is why I love Dr. Luke. Luke, the physician. Luke, the man who is committed to details in his telling of the story of Jesus Christ. He is the one who gives us a little bit more insight as to what is really going on with these servants. Listen to him, OJ. Dr. Luke loses, uses three different Greek words to describe the servant or the slaves in this text. Verse 17, Luke uses the word mystios. Mystios describes a group of hired hands. These are just indentured servants as they were. They could never work their way out of their situation. But, but nevertheless, Jewish law made it that they had to be fed and had to be taken care of. Come on, y'all. They are the ones in church who God has been good to. Come on, y'all. They, are, they, they, they have seen the best of God. They have eaten at the best of God's table. They have had the best of life, best of opportunities, best of covering. They are represents the servants. Come on. The people in church who have seen the hand of God, the hand of the Father, taking care of them in every way. And when the boy is in trouble, he's like, let me remember. That my daddy got some folk that my daddy take care of. And my daddy has some folk who they take care of and he takes such good care of them. I like Sundays when y'all quiet like this. Because a lot of us in here have been taken care of. We are well fed. You know, it's one thing to be poor. It's another thing to be starving. Come on, my God. We have not seen famines in this country and in this land. We still pick what we're going to eat when we wake up in the morning. Come on, y'all. We can decide we are fasting from meats because we have a variety of meat that we want to eat. Come on, y'all. Some folk don't have the choice of what they eat on a daily basis. But here we are picking and choosing what we are going to fast from. And for some of us, if we tell really what we're fasting from, we make Devin look like a saint in here today. Oh, my God. Imagine folks saying, now, Pastor, you know, I'm not going to imbibe during this season of Lent. Uh, Pastor, I'm not going to smoke too much weed. I'm going to give up some of my weed. This way. Come on, y'all. Imagine we have been so blessed by God. We waste more food in this country that some people even see in a lifetime that some countries have. We are wasteful.
people. Come on. It is not just the prodigal. You know, the word prodigal means wasteful. So it is not just the prodigal that is wasteful. You have servants that are wasteful as well. And sometimes when we fall in the role of the fat servants, the well-fed servants, come on, the well-taken-care-of servant, and we refuse to participate in the salvation, in the deliverance of others. We live as if in a silo all by ourselves. Enjoying the blessings of our education and our upbringing and our socioeconomic plight. And we forget that if it had not been for the good God who looked beyond our jacked up and crazy families and patted us in a good place, we would not have the life that we currently have. The boy remembering. He got some folk in my daddy's house they are hired servants, but they got it better than they ever expected. That's what makes me shout and holler, Jason. I look back over my life, and my life has turned out better than expected. I didn't expect my life to turn out the way it is. Didn't expect to have what I have. Come on, y'all. I know your life had turned out just the way you planned it, but mine did not turn out. It turned out better than expected. Luke says the boy remembered that his father had some hired servants who got it better than he had it going on. And then there is, there is, in verse, that's, that's the younger brother. Uh, something else is going on in this text. Oh, in verse 26, Luke uses yet another word for servant as he tells the story of the elder brother coming in from the field. Uh, Luke said he asked one of the pais. Different word from mystios. Mystios is hired servants. Well kept, well cared for servants. But then Luke says, hey, when the brother came in from the field, the brother encountered one of his child slaves. Do you know what a pais is? A child, a pais is a child slave. Listen to this, y'all. A child slave among whose list of expected services can be sexual favors as well. The self-righteous elder brother got a special relationship with a pais. He is the one mad because the brother went out and spent his money on them foreign women. And he is the one projecting on to his brother. Come on, y'all. What he got at his own house. The Bible says he came in and he went to one of the pais. In other words, he got a special relationship with just one of his father's slaves. But yet he is the one who stands in judgment. Come on, y'all. We ought to be careful how we make 
decisions about people's sex lives based on what's going on in our own. Come on, y'all. Do not project onto others the struggles that you have in your own life. Leave people's stuff alone. The good news is if you like the elder brother and you can have this is, this is how the grace and the mercy of God is applied to our lives. That even though, oh my God, you got a something, something, something going on. That God still allows you to be a part of the salvation narrative. Come on. Don't you let nobody stop you from making your contributions to the salvation of others. Simply because whatever is going on in your personal life does not meet, oh my God, the qualifications of the norm. How you end up and what you end up in, I don't know. I don't want to know. Oh, uh, no. Some stuff I don't want to hear no more. I don't want that stuff in my mind. Uh-uh. Just tell me, Pastor, pray for me. I got a situation. That's all I want you to tell me. You ain't got to give me no details. When it happened, how it happened, how you like it. I don't want to know all that stuff. No, keep it to yourself. When was the last time? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Don't want none of that in my mind. What I do want you to do as a servant of God is to make contributions to the salvation of others. Come on. It was the servants who still said to him, your brother who was lost is now found. He was dead. Now he's alive. And they have made a feast for him. Don't let nobody shut you up because of what's going on in your own personal life. That's between you and God. God's going to fix that thing someday, somehow, one way or the other. Oh, God, I'm going to leave you alone today on that. But don't be like the self-righteous elder brother. Oh, my God, who is outwardly pious but have a personal struggle with children. Come on, y'all. Mm. I'm always leery of super holy people. I'm, 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 I'm always leery of folk who too holy. You know, uh, when they're too holy, you know, they don't cuss, they don't drink. Every word come out of their mouth is praise the Lord, hallelujah, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm like, I know all that language as well, but I'm like, what are you covering up with all that religious language? And like, why can't we talk just straight up? Come on, like we talk, you know, can, can we just talk? Why? We got to mask it with all this religious jargon uh, that is only nothing but a little psychological mask that you're putting behind because you can't just talk, talk. Just let it come out. Why? The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. What is in your heart is going to come out. Come on, y'all. Before you say, I do, tell him. Tell her, talk. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just talk. That's why you ought to just take folk out sometimes. That's why I like to take folk to lunch. Take them out. Cause, uh, give them a drink. Uh, mm-hmm, and they're going to talk. Come on, y'all. Come on. Uh, give them a little drink. One, uh, one cocktail. Uh, one top shelf Long Island tea. Come on. And oh, they started. Oh, they will start talking. 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 I'm scared of super holy people. Uh, I back up and I let them have the floor because I can't talk to you like that for the whole conversation if all we're going to praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. As the scripture says, (laughs) Oh, Lord, praise the Lord. I don't even go to, you know, I, I don't even, <laughs> I don't recommend even going to a therapist. Right, Melissa, who, you know, they, they, them Christian therapists, you know, the ones who shoot scriptures at you. Right? You ain't going to never tell them the truth. <laughs> no, 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 no. They got a scripture for every sin that you committed. Come on, my God. I can't cuss with you. No. Oh, Lord, out of the mouths of, No. No, no, no. I can't be angry and sin not. Don't not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Oh, Ephesians. Ah, no, no, no. The boy got an issue, but he's judging folk. I'm just grateful to God that God gives people an opportunity. I'm about done. Leave alone for today. But in verse 22, Luke uses that other word. That's the one that I like. It's a doulos. And a doulos means a slave or a bond person in a position of servitude, one devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. Such is a slave of the father, right? A slave by both circumstance and choice. A slave who, when given the choice of freedom, reflects on the goodness of the master and decides to be a slave for the rest of his life. In the Old Testament, it gives a description of how someone became a slave for life. That after having worked and paid their fees, the Bible says that they would take an owl. You know what an owl is? It's like some of you bore your ears with, you know, see folks with a little thing, right? And as a token and pledge of your submission to that master for the rest of your life, you would go to the doorpost of the master's house, place your right ear on the doorpost, and plant, put, just put a, put a, put, in other words, nail your ear to the doorpost of your master. So that for the rest of your life, you will listen to one voice and one voice only. Now that might sound barbaric to us in the Western world today. But the spiritual significance of it is that when we have a choice as to who our master is, that we have decided who our master will be. And that we are willing to nail our ears to the voice of our master because we will listen to no other 
but the God of our salvation. I don't know about you, but when I look back over my life, I found no other master that is better for me than God in the person of Jesus Christ. And to him is the only one that I will pledge my allegiance to until the day that I die. And in that position, oh my God, I can love him. I can serve God. I can trust God. Because God got me by my ear. I've decided to follow Jesus. And there is no turning back. No turning back. Some days I want to pull away and listen to my own voice. But then I got this mark on me. And that mark on me said I belong to God. I belong to a master that looks out for me. I belong to a master that does not love me based on behavior, but on relationship. Come on. I belong to a master who supplies my every need. I belong to a master who the earth is his and the fullness thereof and everything that I ever need in this life. I belong to a who has the whole world in God's hand. This God got you and me and all us sinners in God's hand. He can love all of us individually. We ain't got to judge nobody. Ooh, because if you judge somebody today, tomorrow, it's going to be your turn. I tell you all the time, we say it in Trinidad, if your neighbor's house is on fire, wet yours. You're going to get it in a minute. If your neighbor's house is on fire, cut, you better wet yours. Because the fire is coming down the street. We don't have time and space and energy to judge folks. What we do, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, we make our contributions to the salvation and the deliverance story of others. Whatever it is, make your contribution to the salvation and the deliverance of others. I'm going to stop right there for today. Listen to me carefully. Before we move and get crazy, stay right there. I want you to listen to me. To serve God, to submit to God's will, it's a choice, it's a decision that you have to make. If Lent doesn't do anything else, Lent reminds us that this season is a season where we submit to the heart of God. We submit to the voice of God. We let God speak to us. If Lent doesn't do anything else, it teaches us that this is the way that we should be living all the time. Not just for the 40 days of Lent. 
not just for the five days each week where we rise at six o'clock in the morning and pray together. Lent says to us, this is the way that we are supposed. Whatever you're giving up for Lent or adding to your life for Lent, you should do it after Lent is over as well. That really ought to be your goal. You can't just go back to eating all that sugar. Amen. In the same kind of way, then your fasting really would not have been effective. Right? During Lent, you should see the impact of your fasting, your abstinence from certain foods so that when Lent is over, you don't want to go back to it. Lent does that to us, but Lent challenges us also, right, to make a choice. This morning, the sun came up, the moon went down. They didn't have a choice whether they go up and down. The rain is going to fall, it has been falling. The rain does not have a choice whether it falls or not. The pollen is coming in the air. Amen. Going to make a whole bunch of folks sick and got to take all that stuff. Amen. It's coming. That pollen ain't got no choice. God has nature set up where it just does what it does. Human beings are the only ones that have a choice. What we do for God. And that becomes the point of it all. That inasmuch as you might be like the prodigal young one, or you might be like the older one, or you may be in a position where you are like a servant of the Father, whatever your station in life is, the gospel says to us, you can make a contribution to the salvation of others. The question is, What's your choice going to be? I want to invite you today. Meet me at the altar. But this is why we're coming for. This is what I ask you to come to. No hoopla today. No big clothes today. It's one of them head sermons. Whatever your station is in life. Have you decided to nail your ear to the doorpost of God so that God's voice is what you will listen to and not another? All week long, we've been teaching and preaching, teaching out of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The objective of Jehoshaphat's fast was so that he could pray and then he can hear the voice of the prophet. Right? Pray and hear the voice of God. If you have not been hearing the voice of God, if God has not given you clear and definitive directions about your next best move in life, your next best move in ministry, your next best move in your business, you ain't heard God in a while. I want you to meet me at the altar. Because I want to pray with you that you hear clearly what God's directive is to you during this season.